Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to episode 541 of the Duke Basketball Roundup podcast. This might be the first time that I got it right on the first try. I am your host for this episode. I'm Sam Klein. Coming to you from Boston, I am joined, as always, by Donald Wine and Jason Evans. I guess I'm the one that's the the not as always. Uh, You two are the as always. Donald Wine, what's up, man? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's a nice beautiful damn near perfect day here in washington dc um fall has arrived thankfully and i hope it stays forever get yourself a pumpkin spice latte jason no evans pumpkin, is here no no, spice, no latte well maybe the latte but no maybe. pumpkin spice I, I don't like pumpkin spice i'm i'm not on the pumpkin spice train guys i want to say it's a it's a nice distraction i'm enjoying talking to the two of you it's been a <clears throat> Sorry, it's <clears throat> it's been a rough few days for me. As as most folks here know, I work at CNN. And ever since Saturday, I've been on call and uh, working long hours covering the terrible, terrible stuff that's happening in the Middle East uh, regarding Israel. And and this is a nice, I don't want to talk about it extensively, but this is a nice distraction. So thanks, guys. Hey, real quick, Jason, I know it's been a difficult few days for you, and I think it's accentuated by your perspective because of the fact that you do do the news and you do CNN international of all things. It's not like you're right in sports, <laughs> which would be a great distraction. Um, Cause we've had a lot of sports to discuss lately. Uh, but just, you know, sending thoughts to you and, and I, I know you, you've been connected to this on a personal level. Um, so we're sending our thoughts to you and to uh, everyone that has been affected by this. Cause this is, this is terrible. It, it's, it's something that should never happen. And, Unfortunately, it's the it's the stark reality of the world that we live in is that this is something that we have to deal with and, and you kind of have to deal with twice uh, being in the news. So, you know, I just want to put that out there. I've uh, I've got family over in Israel and uh, it's it's pretty scary. Uh, all the stuff that's going on right now. So uh, I I'll, I'll take Jason's line of uh, let's let's do the sports thing and be a bit of a distraction for the moment. Yeah. And uh, just, yeah, we're, we're, uh, I'm thinking about it and we're mostly worrying about it uh, alongside all the other sort of normal things in life. So with the inability to transition in any 
in any logical way. Yeah, uh, yeah. Go go for it, man. Make that segue. Yeah. So so Duke plays NC State in football this weekend. Uh, Blue Devils, of course. So we're going to talk about we'll talk about NC State uh, that game. We'll do that before the break. After the break, we'll get into uh, a couple other notes. Some of which are one of which is football related. A couple of which are basketball related. So uh, if you're a if you're a basketball only, you can you can skip ahead. But but hopefully you're not. Hopefully at this point, uh, despite despite the loss to Notre Dame. Uh, Duke football is is still still hot, still ranked. Uh, I'm de- I'm and- declaring this a no skip podcast. This is a no yeah, skip episode. Don't skip. Uh, <laughs> Duke football still ranked. Uh, Duke football still still uh, still sights on. Look, if you want to be super optimistic about this, no reason that Duke football can't win the ACC at this point. Uh, they're they're undefeated in conference. They've got one win over a very good team, and they've got another good team. Not not one of the elite ACC teams, but another good team coming up on the schedule this weekend. That is NC State. NC State is four and two. And the big headline for Duke that we, I think we'll discuss first is we don't know if Riley Leonard is going to be playing in this game. The latest reports are that Riley Leonard is day to day. There is, I suppose, a chance that he could play against NC State. If he doesn't, Henry Bellin is the, is the backup and he would be, he would be, on the roster uh, for Duke against NC State. Jason, I'm going to hand it to you first. What do you think about not the rest of the game? Just tell me about the quarterback situation and sort of where where you are right now with the Riley Leonard thing. And is he going to come back this week? Is he going to just get his reps in so that he can play Florida State? Is the is the return later? And And what impact does that have on Mike Elko's team? Well, I mean, you said he's day to day. Mike Elko said he's day to day, and they said he was month to month. That I would have believed that. I mean, the notion, the notion that he, you know, will even be back next week for Florida State, seems almost bonkers considering a high ankle sprain. But uh, Mike Elko said this is a guy. Riley Leonard is a guy who's just attacking his rehab. That he's just super driven, and and there's a possibility we see him. I was already. For the the start, perhaps short term, but the start of the Henry Bielan, the fourth era. But it looks like it's possible Riley Leonard will play. I, I I still think it's doubtful. I just feel like probably the safest thing to do for Duke's season is to have Riley Leonard fully healthy when he comes back. Let's not forget. I mean, Sam, you mentioned, oh, Duke's still Duke's undefeated in the ACC, has a chance to win the conference. And that's absolutely true. Duke has a gauntlet of a schedule. This season's schedule for Duke is about as hard as you could possibly construct it. We still have road games, road games against Florida State, Louisville, and North Carolina, all three of whom are ranked (laughs) and ranked pretty highly in the case of Florida State and North Carolina, ranked ahead of Duke. Road games against those three teams. So not that NC State is someone to be overlooked not that we should assume this is a victory not by any stretch of the imagination should we assume that but i think you're more likely to see henry bielan in this game and and have riley leonard get a little more healthy because a big part of riley leonard's game is the running and if he's hurt he's not gonna be able to run the same way so as far as henry bielan goes the reputation on him is that he's got a big arm he's known for deep throws much more than riley leonard is he won't I want to repeat, he will not be the runner that Riley Leonard is. I'm not saying that Henry Bielan is like chained to the pocket and, and unable to, to move, 
not not at all. But Riley's ability to stay upright when he's hit, his his ability to see the angles and turn busted plays into 10, 20, 30-yard gains, that's just really unlikely to happen, I think, with Henry Bielan. I'd love to be surprised. <laughs> I would love to be surprised. But I think that's unlikely with Bielan. But I think you're going to get more of a vertical game out of Bielan. And and then the other thing to look for in terms of the quarterback, mat, mat, not matchup, but the quarterbacks from on the Duke side is – there's no discounting the fact that Riley Leonard has all this experience and that Henry Bielan, you know, assuming he starts, assuming he plays early against NC State, it will be the first time he's played in a competitive game. He's played a little bit for Duke, but it's all always been at mop-up time in games that were essentially over. So it's it'll be interesting to see whether or not Duke plays it safe and goes to like a grounded-out grounded on the ground run game or if they really turn Henry Bielan loose and and let let him work the ball downfield as he's known for. And, and the last thing I'd say related to injuries on Duke's side, and we got a ton of NC State stuff we can talk about, but in terms of injuries for Duke, left tackle Graham Barton will be back for this game. He missed the Notre Dame game. Uh, we've mentioned this before. This is a guy who will be playing on Sundays. This is a guy who and most people think will absolutely be a starter in the NFL and perhaps a very good starter in the NFL. Missing that guy against Notre Dame mattered. It mattered a lot. And having him back will be huge for Henry Bielan, assuming Bielan's the starter. I, it'll be huge for anybody who's who lines up under center. Graham Barton is that good. And yeah, we missed him two weeks ago against Notre Dame. It was very apparent uh, that Notre Dame exploited that side of the offensive line, knowing that, you know, a potential first round pick was missing. So uh, I think I think Duke fans can feel okay in saying that there is a sense of optimism when you hear that. Riley Leonard is day to day there there should be because we saw what happened against Notre Dame we saw the injury and the fact that it went from high ankle sprain minimum six weeks to day to day in the span of a week and a half is a terrific you know update having said that in this case optimism does not equal expectation I do not expect to see Riley Leonard this week for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned Jason mainly again he becomes one-dimensional if he can't run and part of what makes him so dangerous is the fact that he can put the ball quote on the ground and, and run um, if he gets into trouble in the pocket. And he also has the ability to beat you deep. If you're limiting him to one dimension, then you're limiting him as a player. And that really, you know, if it hurts him as a player and it hurts the team. And I think is best to make sure that he's 100% because again, while we're not looking ahead, we, like you said, Jason, we have a huge set of games coming up starting with this Saturday. And I think all, you know, we have a couple games on national TV late at night, eight o'clock, you know, prime time starts over the next couple of weeks. And I think we want to have a team that's 100% because I think a 100% Duke beats NC state. We don't need a 75 or maybe even a 60% Riley Leonard to beat NC state. So if he's only 75 or 80%, let's get him back to hundred percent, put B in there and, I think this team can go still go and take on the Wolfpack. And by the way, I think perhaps that FanDuel, you know, the, the betting website, FanDuel, I think they think Riley Leonard's going to play because I looked and every other sports book out there, Vegas, you know, Atlantic City, wherever it may be, has Duke is about a three and a half to four point favorite in this game. Not a big favorite, three and a half to four points. FanDuel has Duke as a nine and a half point favorite. Total outlier from everyone else. I have to think that they think Riley Leonard's going to play because if you put Riley Leonard out there for this game, I think Duke is a nine and a half, 10 point favorite without Riley Leonard, just the uncertainty of what Henry Bielan will be like. 
that's where you t- knock it down to that three and a half, four point favorite. So I think FanDuel thinks Riley Leonard's going to play. Or, or it means that uh, you should get on FanDuel and, and hammer NC State because uh, because they're working with the wrong working with the wrong knowledge <laughs> yeah it, uh, and, and 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 so let's let's talk about nc state a little bit uh this is a an interesting team like i said not the top of the conference but not too shabby either uh i mentioned nc state is is four and two on the season they've got two common opponents with duke neither of whom is is a conference opponent so that that is like an interesting thing when you're sort of looking at matchups and and trying to understand how how things might be different in that NC State has played both uh, Connecticut and Notre Dame, as Duke has, and and uh, those games turned out worse for NC State than they did for Duke. So if you want to take you know some some directional uh, uh, enthusiasm for this one, now obviously Duke has Riley Leonard for all of those games. Likely does not have Riley Leonard this weekend. NC State, meanwhile, has had its own troubles at quarterback, and so one of the interesting storylines, NC State. Uh, replaced their starting quarterback last week uh, for the game against Marshall. But uh, so that that's MJ Morris who, who started for NC state last week, but prior to that, Brendan Armstrong had been the starter. So uh, Donald, what do you, what do you make of NC state making the switch at quarterback and any other sort of interesting topics from this game that you think Duke fans should be looking out for? Well, first of all, and, and I'm going to joke when I say this, but it means they're scared. It means Duke can't handle Duke. They're, they have to make a switch. That's really what it means. And and we should take this as bulletin board material that they have the disrespect to switch quarterbacks because they think that they have a leg up on us. No, I, I think honestly, it's it's the change has been it's weird. NC State has been this team that came in with a little bit of expectations to kind of compete in the ACC, and they haven't really met those expectations fully. They had a couple of games that you know got away from them. You know that in, that Notre Dame game I thought was one where I think the weather kind of affected. Uh, their play and then Notre Dame came out and just busted the doors off of them. But at the end of the day, I think for Duke, we just have to kind of put the heartbreak of Notre Dame behind us. We've had a week to do so. And I think what's great about this coaching staff is they've been looking forward every single time, kind of not necessarily in the, in a, you know, basketball next play type of mentality, but it's still like, Hey, next opponent up. We got, we got way, way too much season left to worry about the last 40 seconds of the game two weeks ago. Let's put it all at, in, into you know getting a good victory again at home uh we get to play at home before we have two games on the road so it was a good way for us to focus we'll have a we'll have a, a good crowd there on saturday and and i think duke just needs to play their game limit the turnovers limit the big plays on defense and on offense find your pockets Beelan does not have to be a hero he does not have to play like a heisman quarterback he just has to play like Henry Bielan and let everybody let, get the ball into the skill, you know, the hands of the skilled players who can do their thing. I think the biggest key is the running game. If we if first if we don't have Riley Leonard, then the running game, the running backs are going to have to step up and get back to the ways that they were doing early in the season where they were racking up a bunch of yards and moving the chain. So, again, there's a lot of things that that can go right for this team. And, but the one thing is, if Duke plays like Duke, we should beat Notre Dame or beat NC State. And we should then be able to look ahead to the gauntlet that is ahead of us. You know, Donald, you mentioned big plays. That is such a huge part of what the NC State offense is with MJ Morris um, at quarterback <clears throat> against Marshall. And, and by the way, it's worth pointing out that Marshall game, uh, NC State won that game 48 to 41. Marshall 
have been undefeated coming into that game. Now, let's be clear. They're not like a top power five conference team, but Marshall is a pretty good mid-major or whatever you want to call the, you know, those schools that are a little bit smaller. And, and you know, for NC State to put up 48 points on them is impressive. They also gave up 41, so <laughs> that's not as – but 48 points is a, is a big number, and they did it with big plays. NC State had four plays go for 35-plus yards against Marshall, including a 62-yard touchdown pass. And we mentioned MJ Morris, uh, the, the new quarterback for them. He had four touchdown passes, and he just brought the ball downfield again and again and again, sort, sort of somewhat similar to Henry, Henry Bielan. He, uh, Morris has a big arm. He loves to throw it deep downfield, does not have a good completion percentage. He was just 17 of 32 against Marshall. And if you look elsewhere in his career, he's played several games, for instance. He played three games last year late in the season when they when their other quarterback got hurt. So this is a guy who's reasonably experienced. We have some numbers on him. And MJ Morris is a guy who who he doesn't throw great, accurate balls like in the short mid-range game, but the dude's going to fling it downfield. Uh, I think a state, by the way, relies on the pass much more than the rush. I think they play into Duke's hands really nicely. We have a really, really good defensive backfield. Our our defensive line does a nice job of getting after the quarterback. Look, I, I've talked about on this podcast the fact that the the Duke defensive backfield forces a inordinate number of incompletions that quarterbacks struggle to get to even fifty percent completion rate against Duke. I mean, quarterbacks who are usually in the sixties and seventies barely get to fifty. And MJ Morris is not a guy who's usually in the 60s and 70s. So I think he may really struggle with pass completions against Duke. And like I said, State's not a good run game. And then, Donald, one other thing I wanted to highlight, because you mentioned it, the Duke rush attack versus the NC State defensive line. To me, that's this ballgame, because Duke has a really strong run game. Duke averages close to five yards per rush. NC State, their defensive line is perhaps the strongest part of their team. They average three and a half sacks per game and they only give up three yards per rush. The NC State D-line is where they are best, and it's going to be a really interesting, you know, uh, irresistible force against immovable object kind of situation with the Duke run game against the NC, especially with Graham Barton being back for Duke on the offensive line. Duke's offensive line, essentially against State's defensive line, is a big part of this game. Last thing I want to mention about NC State, this is a team that is incredibly banged up, in the defensive backfield that like they weren't expected to be great. They, they, you know, their defensive backs and safeties weren't expected to be great anyway. And several of their guys are banged up perhaps out. Um, certainly not, you know, moving at full strength. Uh, it'll be interesting to see whether it's Belin or Leonard, but I think Duke's wide receivers may really find themselves open because that's one of state's biggest weaknesses. All right. And, and as we mentioned, looking ahead, you know, Two weeks ago, Duke has Notre Dame in primetime in Durham. This game, primetime in Durham. It's on ACC Network, so not exactly the same as being college game day, et cetera, but it is under the lights, and and we know that right after this game, Duke's going to turn around and get ready to play at Florida State, also in primetime. We don't know what channel that game's going to be on, but but Duke has to get used to to playing in these in these late spots. This is, this is part of the... Uh, the price of being, you know, of being a competitive team. And, and like you guys said, NC state's got, um, you know, they're not the, the top, top of the conference. They, they've been a little disappointing this season, but I think the performance against Marshall tells you that they are at least on offense, a little rejuvenated by the change at quarterback. And that might end up working out very well for them, you know, down the home stretch. 
one last thing about this game before we go to break. Uh, this NC State game is something that had had become something of a of a rarity for for Duke over the last few years, given the uh, given the the conference alignment and the way that the ACC was split into the Atlantic Division and the Coastal Division for many years. Now that that system has gone away, so um, maybe just a minute, Jason, on on how great it is for Duke to be playing NC State, which is you know talk realignment all you want, but but. Isn't it important for Duke to be able to play NC State and North Carolina and Wake Forest every year? Good God. Yes, it is. Yes. Thank you, Sam. And the great Jim Sumner, folks, we, we say this all the time. If you don't subscribe to Jim Sumner's Duke um, newsletter, Substack, whatever it is, uh, you're, you're, you're making a huge mistake because he just has troves and troves of fabulous stuff. He pointed out today that Duke and NC State between 1923 and 2003, over the course of 80 years, Duke and NC State played 79 out of 80 years. The only year, the only year they missed was 1944, where no one played any sports because they're afraid of World War II and and uh, you know potential attacks and stuff like that. So they played every year essentially that they could from 1923 to 2003. Since 2003, Duke has played NC State four times. We're talking about schools that are 25 miles apart in the same conference. They played four times in the past 20 years. That's ridiculous. I hate it. It's awful. But, but as Sam noted, we are finally getting back to playing NC State every year because the new conference schedule, I guess starting this year, is that Duke will play UNC, NC State, and Wake Forest every single season going forward. I don't care whatever happens with expansion. I know they're going to have to adjust things when we add Stanford and Cal. Please, please, sports gods, allow us to play NC State Wake and UNC every single season. It should always be that way. Last thing, really quick. Do you guys remember what happened the last time State came to, to Durham? The year was, was twenty. No, it was, it was like it was like nine. It was like nineteen ninety three. No, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was twenty thirteen. It was two thousand thirteen, and and Duke scored like three touchdowns in a minute and a half or something. <laughs> Devon Edwards. It's the Devon Edwards game. Oh, the Devon Edwards game. Yeah, yeah. He had three touchdowns. He returned a kickoff for a touchdown, and then in the fourth quarter. On back-to-back plays, I repeat, on back-to-back plays, Devon Edwards pick six. had pick sixes that he took back to the house. To it was a close that, game, close that's game. That's like no. a that 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 game. I remember that. That was the that's a record that like I don't know will ever be touched ever again. Like well, there there apparently apparently there are a couple other guys who've done it, but Devon Edwards was the first. Anyway, but he added the kickoff pick return. Oh my Back-to-back pick sixes is one thing, but he added the kickoff return to it. I don't think that's ever yeah, being touched. You're right. But that's... yeah, I, I it's great that they're playing NC State again and, and the fact that it's going to take place with more regularity. The only thing that needs to, you know, continue is, you know, NC State and UNC have to want to stay in the ACC with us. Uh, that would be nice. Um, but as long as that happens, we'll get to see these matchups every year now. If NC State ends up in the Big Ten or the SEC – and Duke is left out, I'm going to be upset. Yeah. I just, I, I, Put on I a record. That. I want that known. <laughs> hey, guys, let, let's take a quick break. Uh, on the backside, we have a couple other uh, a couple other topics to cover, so stick around. This episode of the Duke Basketball Roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning. We have better weather, and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many, 
Leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar. That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight, there's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers, even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down. And for some, getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what BetterHelp is all about. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a professional, licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Duke Roundup. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We are back, and before we talk basketball, one more football topic to discuss here today. There was a great article in The Athletic this week uh, highlighting the job that Mike Elko has done in his first year and a half or so in Durham as the Duke head coach. So, Jason, why don't you give me the highlights uh, from from this this great piece on, on Mike Elko and really, you know, the the page that will get stapled to the front of his resume when he, when he goes and interviews for Big Ten jobs this offseason. Well, the, I think part of the purpose of this article was sort of be like, hey, by the way, this is a name you're going to hear a lot of whenever there's a major opening. I mean, that that sort of tone was woven throughout the whole thing. But also woven throughout the whole thing was sort of a Mike Elko is not a guy with an ego. Mike Elko is not a guy who's like, I need to coach at the biggest, baddest university around. He comes across incredibly down to earth in this, you know, not showy, not egotistical at all. A lot of amusing stories about his relationship with his wife and how, you know, she's the same kind of personality. These are not folks who need to be on the biggest, brightest stage. They just want to be someplace where they can feel like they can succeed. And it sure sounds like he feels like that way about Duke. I, I, I loved the, 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 you know, all this talk that he might go someplace else. But also there was just all this talk that, that he is very happy. Here. And he's a guy who he played football at, at University of Pennsylvania in the Ivy League. He coached at Wake and Notre Dame earlier in his career. And there are a number of references to the fact that he values being at a school with some academic pride. I'm not saying for sure he's going to stick around if if some SEC program comes and offers him $12 million a year or something insane like that. It's hard to turn that kind of thing down. But it, it, it sounds like he really likes being at Duke. And that he feels like he can be incredibly successful at Duke. It's just, it's such a great article. And the last thing I would say about it is the mere fact that this article is out there 
is a huge thing for Duke football. Like no one used to write about us in football except we suck. Like, oh, Duke's the, you know, we were, we were part of the conversation whether we're the worst power five team in the country. And now they're writing articles about how great our coach is and, uh, you know, and how we are this program that, that everyone recognizes is, is going to be a factor going forward. And thank you, you know, thank you, David Cutcliffe, <laughs> for rescuing us from, from being moribund for years and years. And thank you, Mike Elko, because it feels like Elko is now taking it next level. I think the one thing, you know, also, it gave a little bit of insight into how he runs the program, right? Even, you know, he talked about that first practice where uh, that first offseason workout where a couple of guys showed up 20 minutes late and they, you know, made him do what he called an accountability workout yeah. uh, afterwards, <laughs> which we all know what that is. They, they, they ran for days. Um, but again, he was like, by the way, they played out. Ne- never again. That that happened once, and then happened one time, again. right? But just the fact that again, that just led for people for the players to buy in to things. He asked the players about their nutrition, and you know, upgraded their bedding. Like you know, they have different beds now on in their dorm rooms. Like those little things, the, those details that one endear yourself to players, but also makes the players respond. By their, you know, they're sleeping in better beds, which means they recover better, which means they can work out harder, longer, faster, stronger, all those things, right? But also, he, you know, really took pride in understanding what the players needed and got it from the players themselves. He didn't come in with this, you know, a lot of coaches, and rightfully so, some coaches come in with the air of respect and they come in and say, hey, look, we're going to do things my way. We're going to change this program up. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Elko came in with that respect saying, hey, we want to change some things up, but I want to get first a sense of where we are. And he mentioned for the strength program, he said, I don't want racers. I want boxers, right? He wants guys that can outlast anyone in a fight. And he basically said, hey, guys, how do how do we want to structure this program so that we get you to what we want, but we're doing it at the level that you guys need? And I like that back and forth between him and some of those players that help kind of shape this buy-in because again you know it you can come in and say all you want and coach all you want and do all these things but if the players don't buy in it means nothing the players immediately bought in and that's why we've seen such great success in the first year and a half of the elko era and i i think i'm with you guys i think with a lot of people this this ride will end at some point right like it's going to end we hope it's 30 years from now we hope all these raises that he keeps getting uh you know the 12 million dollars a year people coming in and offering, we hope that one day that that we're in a position where we can say, hey, we'll give you that money. Just stay here. And it sounds like, at least for right now, that him, his family are very happy in Durham. They don't plan on leaving. And as much as the players have bought into this program, they have also bought into this program. And I think that's made for a wonderful pair. It's interesting to reflect on the articles that they wrote about David Cutcliffe from 15 years ago when he came in as the Duke coach and all the all the changes that he made from the Ted Roof era. It's it, like, it's crazy to think that the Ted Roof era was only two administrations ago for Duke, um, considering how far the program has, has come from I, there. I blotted, I blotted it out of my memory. <laughs> I, yeah, I, right. Ted Roof, Ted Roof, Ted Roof coaches at Oklahoma. So I saw him on TV the other day and I was like, oh, wow. Blast from the past. Because again, it doesn't well, seem that long ago, but it seems eons ago when it comes to how far this program's coming. It's like how it's like how Jim Knowles is now like one of the one of the hottest defensive coordinators in, in college football. And when he, he was the defensive coordinator at Duke, our, our defense was terrible. So uh I don't know. Maybe we had maybe we had bad recruiting he, or something. He learned a lot about what not to do. 
yeah clearly like <laughs> man's been man's been falling up the whole way uh no i i shouldn't talk too much smack about him he was he was one of my bosses when i worked there so uh but you know the numbers are the numbers in any event when when coach cutcliffe came in you guys will remember this probably as well as i do there was all this talk about changing nutrition and the setup of the building and and all these kind of topics that it sounds like i don't know fell into disrepair or what i what i imagine happened is that other programs just built so much faster because there's so much more money in college football now that when I think when David Cutcliffe came in in 2008, he looked around and was like, none of this is up to snuff. He got it all up to snuff. Things kind of, you know, I don't know that I don't know that things got worse, but they didn't continue getting better. And Mike Elko came in and said, wow, things things are not up to snuff. And we like went we were like going through the the whole process again. So it really it really shows you how much uh, how, how much college football has has changed just in you know the last 15, 20 years and how much more professional the whole setup has become. But yeah, I think the, the big takeaway for me here is just how much we, we how, like how lucky we are to have gotten this guy that I, I don't even think, uh, it's not like Mike Elko was like Duke's first pick for, for head coach. I think, I think Nina King went through a, a, a number of candidates here before she landed on him. And uh, what, a, what a great outcome that has been for Duke. I was just going to say, you know, the attention to detail, I think, is what's changed, right? You mentioned, you know, Cutcliffe coming in and kind of changing around the facilities and upgrading the facilities. They'd only been open for four or five years before he showed up. And that was just how quickly the college football arms race, so to speak, was working at that time. And it's still working. It, it might be three times as fast now. But to stay in effect and, again, working for little details like, hey, we're not going to make it where – players at duke university are any you know better or, or treated any differently uh, or at least on a higher level than that of the regular student so they're going to be in the dorms but hey college college football players are much bigger than the average college student so maybe we should get them some better bets like those little things again will help their bodies recover which helps them become better athletes because they will be able to go to the max every single day and be able to know that they have the resources and the accommodations to quickly recover and get ready for the next thing. Let's come full circle. These might be the things that Riley, that, that Riley Leonard uses to be ready weeks before we anticipated him being ready if it was a normal injury in a normal time at Duke University. Now they have the resources for him to be able to recover 24-7, be able to sleep in a nice bed, be able to have a nice meal, to ha you know have these nutritional things and, and, and the workout plans that make it where he will come back stronger and we can anticipate his time timely return in a week or two as opposed to a month or two. And I think those are the difference between a four and eight season and an eight and four or a nine and three season. Guys, let's talk a little bit of basketball before we get out of here. This is the Duke basketball roundup. The first item here was a uh, report this week by John Rothstein that uh, Duke and St. John's are in advanced talks to play a game against each other at Arthur Ashe stadium next year. So so Duke plays at Madison Square Garden frequently, almost every year. And if Duke doesn't play at MSG, they're playing at the Barclays Center. They're playing at the Meadowlands. They're playing somewhere in the New York, New Jersey area. Uh, the discussion now is that is that the Duke St. John's game won't fit at Madison Square Garden. So they're going to have to uh, send it to Arthur Ashe Stadium, which, correct me if I'm wrong, is an outdoor uh, is an outdoor. I think facility? it has a roof. They have a retractable roof. roof. Was, it, it, you can see out the top. Yeah, uh, if they want you to. Yeah. Um, so, 
that that should be interesting. But uh, Jason, your your reaction to the potential for Duke to play uh, in New York next year, but in Queens? I think this is really cool. Um, first of all, I mean, obviously you'll get all the old man Patino against young upstart John Shire stories. That'll be that'll be fun. This is going to be a high profile national TV game because of the venue. I mean, Arthur Ashe Stadium would be a truly unique venue. I think I think someone said that there's been like one, there was a WNBA game played there. I don't think there's been any other basketball played there other than this WNBA contest. So there's it's been an NBA get some... preseason game played in, I think it was like Arizona or something. It was on a different tennis complex, right. but similar. Yeah. Yeah. But, but specifically at, at Arthur Ashe stadium, which, uh, you know, uh, it, it's just because of the venue, it's going to be a high profile game. There are a lot of Duke fans, obviously in the area, it's a place where we recruit a lot. So being in the headlines like this will, will be really great. And, and I'm, I'm thrilled that, Rick Pitino is getting St. John's back to national relevance. St. John's is such a storied program. And this is a good thing for college basketball to have a program in New York City that is that is watchable and fun and interesting. Uh, I'm sure that, you know, everybody will turn out for a Duke-St. John's game in Flushing Meadows. It's like, wow. <laughs> Arthur Ashe Stadium is like a cathedral of tennis. It's it's one of the, one of the you know, can consider it a cathedral of, you know, all of these random sports that we play here in the United States and around the world. It's, it's phenomenal to be considered for something like that. And it's really cool to kind of be part of the, you can call it a gimmick, you know, event, but it's cool to be kind of part of one of those, you know, we've seen the, you know, guys playing outdoor on, on the blacktop. We've seen them playing on aircraft carriers and things like that, you know, the play in, you know, the, the greatest tennis stadium in the country would be, completely awesome i'd love to see this live uh i've never been to flushing meadows so this would be a nice way to get me out there um yeah i should probably go to the u.s open but no i'd go for a duke basketball game absolutely so this will be pretty cool and hopefully it happens yeah i i, I think this is extremely cool uh and i'm, I'm like you donald I, i've never somehow never been uh despite the fact that going to the u.s open seems like one of the one of the most fun in events yeah sporting events to get to uh i i haven't made it happen yet so uh, in a way, why waste my first trip to Arthur Ashe not going to the U.S. Open? On the other hand, you know, there's always there's always another place to see a to see a Duke basketball game. So that's pretty cool, too. Uh, we were I think we were trying to time recording here around uh, news from the uh, from the Kansas uh, basketball fallout. Jason, I guess at this point, uh, nothing to report. Yeah, no. Uh, so Kansas um, was supposed to find out today and they, they probably will find out today. It's just we're it's like 2.15 now, um, uh, East Coast time. And we haven't gotten news of this yet. I'm sure by the end of the day, we will hear uh, about uh, Kansas's infractions cases stems from an investigation that began in 2017. Uh, eventually, five level one violations were uh, were uh, handed down to or, or, or alleged against Kansas. Kansas went before the IARP, which is the Independent Accountability Resolution Process Board, um, and, and to get all this stuff decided, it, it involves a couple of players who are paid a couple thousand dollars each by uh, an Adidas representative to attend Kansas. Let, let's be clear that the things that are alleged to have happened illegally here would be perfectly legal today. Yeah, that's that's what's so crazy about this is that is that this is still ongoing in the world where like everyone's totally fine with this now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so here's what I'll say about it. Uh, first of all, the the IARP is a joke. Um, it's been disbanded by the N, by the NCAA. This is the the board that is hand, handing down the penalties to Kansas. 
Uh, it's been disbanded by the NCAA um, because it, it took too long to get anything done. Again, this investigation started in 2017. The allegations were put forth in 2019. We're here in 2023, and we still don't know how it all turned out. That's that's absurd. That's just too long for justice to happen. And, and so, like I said, the IARP is being taken away. The other thing is the IARP turned out to be worthless because they 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 just don't like to hand out penalties so so they don't like to penalize players today for things that players did illegally in the past and while in principle i kind of agree with that kansas broke the rules <laughs> let's be very clear kansas absolutely broke the rules the most sacrosanct the most sacred rule in college athletics for a long long time until they made it legal you're not allowed to pay the players and kansas absolutely paid players to attend kansas and I, I, I think it's horrible. I, I'm going to go ahead and project that the IARP is not going to slap serious penalties on Kansas or Bill Self. By the way, some of the allegations specifically relate to Bill Self's uh, supervision of the Kansas program. The IARP is not going to hand down serious penalties here. I, I just know they're not. And I'll already say I'm outraged <laughs> in advance because... Preliminarily? Yeah, yeah I'm preliminarily outraged because they... They deserve penalties. They broke the rules. There's no question about it. It's the most important rule around at the time, at least. And, you know, oh, well, I, I'm, I'm actually, I'm glad we'll be done with the IARP after this. And I'm glad that we're done with this ridiculous era that lasted for a hundred or so years of, of not paying college players. But the, the, the joke now, by the way, is that Kansas pays college players more than anybody else. Like, I was gonna say. I was gonna say they they just kept it. Now that it's legal, like oh, we're just gonna they they you know people joked that they already had the operation ready, right? Like they've been they've been testing it out for decades. So they've they've been, they weren't they weren't able to have a a, a very low uh, uh, learning curve. But Jason, I think I think to your point about them failing to punish players who are currently playing for past transgressions. It's like the same rationale we've seen in a lot of cases, most notably the UNC case, which covered 20 years, right? Like, and they said, oh, well, we can't really punish the guys that are here because it didn't, and there was, and they were closer to the point, right? They were, they were less further removed than Kansas is at this point. Cause it's been, as you mentioned, it's been about seven years. There's no one on campus, uh, sort of the coaching staff that was there in 2016. But in the case of UNC, there were players that were still on the team. And they were like, oh, well, we can't punish the guys who weren't involved in this. I, I think that's like a cop out. And so I'm 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 going to join you in the Shamakery uh parade uh once this comes down and they and they probably say uh Kansas is not gonna do anything. We reserve the right to be wrong, and if they're wrong, we'll talk about it on the next show. But um I, I think yeah, it's it's the end of an era, but also at the same time, it kind of set this whole thing set them up to do what they're doing right now and be ready for the changing time. And yeah, it's come. It's almost going to be. It's almost going to be like they're being rewarded at a, at a certain point for this taking so long that it got to a point now where they can get whoever they want because they're securing the bag. So the great irony, the great irony of this case is that Kansas is potentially in trouble again. They're not going to get in trouble. Potentially they're in trouble because some guy allegedly got twenty five hundred dollars again, two thousand five hundred dollars to attend Kansas. Uh, it's believed by most people that Hunter Dickinson will be receiving more than a million dollars to play for Kansas this year. This is how crazy the system is. Anyway, you know, hey, more right. power to him. 
one one more one more topic before we get out of here. Uh, it, it's a long way off because he's not going to be in college for a couple of years. But uh, the top player, top uh, high school player who had been classified as a sophomore this year, AJ Debonsa, has reclassified as a junior, which means he is now in Cam Boozer's class. Uh, Duke is not officially listed as a as a school with interest in him, although um, Duke's interested. Is, Trust yeah, me, Duke's yeah, interested. <laughs> yeah, this. Uh, it, this guy is, uh, yeah, he's he's the man. Um, the the latest recruiting rankings say that he and Cam Boozer, he is now the number one player in the junior class, and Cam Boozer is now number two. Uh, since, as we recall, Cooper Flag reclassified from that class into the senior class, so it's hard to keep track of the years and the and the ages of all these of all these guys. But uh, AJ Debonsa is a he's a hot commodity. Everyone would like to have him the same way that everyone would like to have Cam Boozer. He's the kind of player that. You make room on the roster for sort of no matter what. And now he's in the junior class. So uh, he is now only, you know, a year and a half away from coming to Duke instead of two years away. from him. Yeah. So the thing about AJ DeBansa that is so impressive. Uh, so while we talked a lot a few uh, well, a couple months ago at the Beach Jam about how Cooper Flagg and Cameron Boozer were putting up crazy statistics, you know, Cooper Flagg was just dominating, playing against other sophomores. And then Cooper Flag classified up a year. And so now he's, uh, or, or I guess they were rising juniors. Now, now he's playing with, you know, you, you follow what I'm saying. So AJ DeMonsa was a year behind Cooper and Cameron. And he played up two years. He played up with the class of 2024 guys. Again, he was 26, playing with the class of 2024 guys. And he was the best player in the class of 2024. He averaged almost 26 points per game at the Peach Jam. Like absurd, incredible. This guy's one of the great scores that we've ever seen at the high school level. Of course, he reclassified. His birthday makes it so that he'd be eligible for the draft a year early. So he's going to get to college a year early. Of course. And everyone and their brother wants to get this guy. He's a super exciting, super interesting recruit. I'm sure that Duke will get involved. I'm sorry. This man averaged 26 points per game, and I'm supposed to be impressed by that. Like, that's nothing, Jason. Every guy who goes to the Peach Jam that we've talked about on this show has averaged like 20 points a game. I'm kidding. No. Give me 26 <laughs> points per game right now. I don't care what year he is in in high school. You could, you could, he could reclassify and come to this team today if he wants to. We'll find a way to put him on the floor. That's how good this guy is. Yeah. The, the, the big question with him is if everyone, in high school was eligible for the NBA draft right now today, would he or Cooper Flagg go number one in the NBA draft? And there are a lot of people who thinks that, that Dybansa would go number one. All right. I think that's it for today. Uh, we're looking forward to the NC State game this weekend. Hopefully Duke bounces back from the Notre Dame loss with a victory over the Wolfpack. We'll be back sometime after that to recap get you ready for the Florida State game the following week. And by the way, Countdown to Craziness is right around the corner. So uh, get hyped. It, you know, fall is here, which means that basketball season is not long off yet. For Jason Evans, oh, uh, I should have remembered. Send us emails, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, go buy the home field apparel. Donald, what's the code that the people can use for home field? Podcast. Very DVR simple. podcast. It's the same as the email. Uh, it's so easy. Go buy Homefield. Uh, we love it. They sent us gift cards. 
so that's that's awesome. <laughs> we haven't used but, yet because we, we have to figure out what we want. I haven't, I haven't decided if I'm buying uh, more shirts or a, or a core zip, but um, got to get something. So uh, we we love them and uh, we love all of you. We being Jason Evans, Donald Wine. I'm Sam Klein. This has been Duke Basketball Roundup, episode 541, Duke Band. Take us home. I got McDonald's for the first time in like, like willingly got McDonald's for the first time in like two years. What was that like? Um, it was fine. I tried that mambo sauce, uh, like the the nugget sauce that they just came out with, and the are they calling it mambo sauce? They're calling it mambo sauce. It is not mambo sauce. I was gonna say it's bold. It's bold strategy. Um, the chili the chili jam one. Is just like jam with some like look with maybe some cayenne pepper in it. It didn't taste great at all, um, but I also wasn't expecting it to taste great. I just got um, a, you know, new 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 shiny piece of candy. I, I got it. You know what I you know what I had recently uh, for the first time was the Wendy's ghost pepper fries. Oh, how were they? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thing oh, is like scare ghost me. Pepper, those scare me. me. No, nah, ghost pepper fine. ghost pepper comes with a certain expectation. And when it's Wendy's, I know that expectation is gone because they're not going to yeah, have exactly, real right. yeah. in there. They'll they'll spice everybody out of the, like out of it. Like no one will ever try it again. Right. Ghost Pepper um, is supposed to make you hack up, you know, things that you didn't know you had. Can you hear me eating my bagel, or is it kind of quiet? Uh, I can tell when you have food in your mouth, but I can't hear you eating. Well, yeah, you yeah. can tell when I'm talking about food in my mouth. I understand that. <laughs> <laughs>